Greetings all, this is Hear Her Sports, and I'm your host, Elizabeth Emery. We are still sheltering in place. One of these days I won't have to say that, but for now it's true, and today's Fast Track is mostly pandemic-focused. Joining me is Olga Harvey of the Women's Sports Foundation, which, as always, is doing great work. Early in our conversation, Olga mentions the We Keep Playing event that was live on April 11th, the day after we spoke. It is now available in full replay. Find that link in the show notes on hearhersports.com. It's well worth a listen. I really enjoyed hearing such a wide range of perspectives, including from soccer player Carly Lloyd, who with complete facilities is enjoying this uninterrupted time for training, to swimmer Katie Ledecky, who doesn't have a pool to swim in. Billie Jean King took part in the entire event and was almost giddy with enthusiasm for the future of women's sports. What was clear in the We Keep Playing event and in this fast track is that the Women's Sports Foundation works hard on big plans so girls and women can continue to benefit from sports now, during COVID-19, and well, well into the future. They want to make sure their community partners and all female athletes make a strong comeback after the pandemic. Let's get to it. Today I'm speaking to Olga Harvey, Chief Strategy and Impact Officer at the Women's Sports Foundation. Olga is a native of Moscow, Russia. She received a business degree from Cornell University while playing D1 tennis. Olga was the team captain and holds a 21-0 record in Ivy League singles play. She was two-time Ivy League Player of the Year and was inducted into the Cornell Athletic Hall of Fame. To this day, Olga is an avid tennis player and a volunteer with USTA. She serves as the officer of the USTA Eastern Board and Directors and is a member of the USTA National Committee for Diversity and Inclusion. In 2019, Olga was recognized as one of the notable women in the business of sports by Cranes New York. I invited Olga to be on the podcast to find out more about how the Women's Sports Foundation is handling the new reality of social distancing and how they are pivoting plans that had been in place in order to stay focused on their mission of enabling all girls and women to reach their potential in sports and life. Welcome, Olga. Thank you for taking the time to talk. I'm sure you guys must be very busy these days. Yeah, thank you so much. It's my pleasure to join the conversation. And yes, it seems like we're busier than ever. I always say advocacy never sleeps, but now more so than ever before, it's important to continue advocating, continue speaking out and encouraging everyone to stay active, to stay mentally and physically strong and to apply those lessons that are so important that we learn from sports to kind of everyday survival at the moment. So yes, we're incredibly busy and fortunate to be able to continue doing our important work. I think it's so interesting that because COVID seems to attack the respiratory system that maybe sports and being physically active will take a more important role. I'm hoping because honestly, sports is the recipe to a better life. And we've been speaking out about that. It obviously starts right with just feeling better after you had a good workout, just feel good. And of course, you know, you build on that, you know, you feel mentally sharper, the endorphins allow you to multitask, to come up with solutions. Sometimes I could feel it myself, you know, when when a problem seems daunting and overwhelming you go for a jog and all of a sudden solutions just come flying into your head so I would say that if that's the silver lining here it's a good one and I'm just hopeful that people are energized and ready to really approach life 
maybe in, in different ways after we persevere through this unprecedented times and come out stronger. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll get more into that, but I want to start with basics. How is the Women's Sports Foundation responding to COVID-19? The timing is interesting for our conversation. Actually, tomorrow is a big day for us. We're bringing first-of-its-kind virtual conversation to the world, and this conversation is really meant to inspire everyone, starting with young girls, their families, and entire communities to stay strong. And we collected an incredible lineup of sports icons and business leaders and coaches, and I'm just going to name a few of them. Our founder, Billie Jean King, is the one who gave her commitment to this initiative, and then we started building around her and Condoleezza Rice, who has actually been honored with the Billie Jean King Leadership Award a couple of years at our gala, is joining her, as well as seven amazing athletes and coaches, including... Carly Lloyd and Katie Ledecky and Sabrina Unescu. And then um, Carrie Champion is moderating the conversation. And she's just such an incredibly powerful journalist who has been our friend for many years. So we are thrilled to bring this conversation to the world. And it is centered around how do these iconic leaders deal with adversity today and what advice they have for young girls, for young boys, for adults, for families, and for our entire community to look at this just as a setback that's going to lead to a comeback. How do you stay mentally strong and use the lessons from sports to overcome the crisis personally, professionally, and at the community level, and to say this is uh, we're we're here to build a huge comeback it's really everything the whole fabric of our work has transitioned to a virtual environment and we are doing all sorts of different things from taking our athlete ambassador events that were in-person events where we have elite athletes come into different girls serving organizations and sports programs to speak to the youth. We're now doing them virtually. Every Wednesday, we have our Ask Athlete Ambassador Instagram series. And uh, it's been so fun. Uh, Last week, we had Caitlin Ohashi, the amazing gymnast who's a routine, UCLA routine went viral uh, last year. She was just such a joy to have on the show. What we do is really just talk to these athletes again about what is allowing them to get through these times and what advice they have. But also we kind of do some fun things like an exercise challenge. And uh, one of my teammates is trying to keep up with these athletes repeating after them. And we're encouraging girls to do the same and send us videos of how they're doing the, whether it's the planks or the jumping jacks. So that's one on a more sort of serious note, we have, created a COVID-19 resource page on our website. And really, it's a great resource for those who want to think about what mental health resources are there. We share podcasts, actually, that really are helpful during this time from 
athletes from different leaders, but that really help youth through laughter, through joy, through advice. Then finally, we have created a community helpline for all of our community partners, organizations that received grants from us or not. Really, if they have something urgent, they need to ask if they have questions, if they need help, we're there to listen. And our entire team is proactively reaching out to all of our community partners to understand how we can support them um, during this time and make things a little bit easier on them so that when the time is right, they can rebound and come back strong and continue their important programming. Um, mm-hmm. That's that's our biggest concerns is to make sure that the grassroots organizations are here come fall, restarting and serving the youth and making sure that those who don't have access to sports programming do and that we basically build this amazing next generation of leaders who have been empowered and inspired through sport as young kids and then are ready to do great things in life. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you brought that up because I've been worried about kids programming, particularly for girls that aren't getting physical activity outside of your programming, like the Sports for Life programs. And I worry about middle school girls sort of falling out during this time because of circumstances of the pandemic. I'm sure you guys have been thinking about that. Yes, thank you for asking that question. It's it's really a big concern, even without the pandemic. The middle school girls are the ones that really are hit the most in terms of, you know, dropout rates. Middle school girls drop out at twice the rate as the boys, and the disparity is even greater in under-resourced communities. Girls of color seem to have even more barriers. And so now you add the pandemic on top where there's no sports programming, some Families are forced to be staying indoors in very small spaces where you can go out on, you know, for a jog, or maybe there isn't even room to do jumping jacks, right? Mm -hmm. And so, how do you not lose the habits that you're just forming? And to be perfectly honest, you know, I'm having battles with my two sons where it's just easy to sort of, you know, just sit and play on the iPad then to force yourself to do something different. For example, my almost 12-year-old, he's a swimmer, and he's been swimming four times a week, and that's just ended. And for me to force him to run instead when that's not something he normally does is not easy. So as a parent and as a parent who is educated about the space, it's very difficult. So I can only imagine how hard it is for the families where – the habits are not well-formed, and it's a big concern for us. And so what I actually wanted to talk about is that how proud we are of the organizations that serve girls that are currently, they don't have programming, but they find ways to stay connected with their girls. They deliver equipment. They talk to them remotely. They continue those connections so they can try to come back just as strong. And I'm saying this kind of with slight hesitation. I think it's, it's you know, probably going to be different and we are going to have some losses and sort of the numbers and, and that's all the reality. But 
the key is to try to do the best we possibly can to maintain that connection, to inspire and to make sure that those who are at risk are positioned for the best comeback they possibly can. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that. I wondered if a lot of the, you know, I, I assume that in many cases it's volunteers that are working those programs and working you know, directly with the middle schoolers, are they now, you know, in very personal contact, I mean, digital contact, but in personal digital contact with all the athletes they had been working with prior to the shutdown? Yeah, it varies significantly because, as you know, technology is, again, very limited within some communities. So I think that they try the best they can. They push out information. We do the same, you know, there's resources. For example, when we have our events, the program leaders push out notification and ask their girls to submit questions to just keep that connectivity. So I think everyone is doing it differently. I've heard someone going door to door, even though they're not allowed to, you know, be in close contact, but distributing notes, sort of trying to just really keep that connectivity. But to your point, again, these are volunteers. Some of them are not getting a paycheck and doing it, obviously, out of goodness of their hearts. There's other organizations that have had to have some layoffs and um, obviously don't have the same resources that they had before. So everyone is dealing differently. I just received a note this morning from one of our community partners, emailed and said, I've been your main contact. My position has been eliminated. The executive director is still there. Please continue communicating with her. So the changes are real, and they're obviously throughout our nation and, you know, worldwide that the composition of every organization's for-profit, non-profit is different, and everyone is trying to find the ways. But ultimately, to bring it back to your original question, is that our goal is to make sure that progress that has happened over the last few years and decades, right, since the passage of Title IX is not reverted back where the gap of access and opportunity for young girls doesn't widen as a result of the pandemic and that we can keep the forward momentum and the trajectory of closing the gap so there's equal number of playing opportunities at the grassroots, high school, collegiate, and ultimately professional level for boys and girls because at the end of the day, we're all born with equal rights and equal opportunities to experience the joy of sports and to unlock our potential through sports. And I always want to, you know, bring up, well, first of all, Billie Jean King's famous saying is that, you know, as female athletes and leaders, we don't want just crumbs. We want the whole cake and the cherry on top. And that's really important. But the other part of it is that it's not at the expense of the boys and it's not a zero-sum game and honestly there are two cakes and everyone should have it so our efforts to fight for the girls are not at the expense of everyone we just feel that it's really important that everyone has access opportunities and can truly thrive as a result of experiencing the joy of sports. I'm so glad you brought up 
many things, but I'm so glad you brought up Billie Jean King, of course, but also Title IX and also the digital access or the difficulty that some people have to have digital access. I mean, coronavirus is certainly showing inequity in tech because we're all relying on that now. So thank you. In terms of digital access, we're actually really in the process of rethinking and modernizing our award-winning Go Girl Go curriculum that has existed for almost 20 years in various forms. But while it has been online, predominantly a paper printed books approach, which has worked to a point, and obviously there's some very important benefits in having printed books that program leaders can hand to girls, to the ones that don't have access to technology, right? And there's something they can take home and then be proud of and journal with and really just, I guess, build their skills with something that they can tangibly hold in their hands. And so that's the reason why over a million girls have been touched in positive ways by this curriculum over the years. And the unique part about it is that we've used athletes as role models, telling stories, telling what their favorite snack or why they didn't quit when they were bullied or how they've overcome body image issues as teenagers. And these amazing sports figures are such incredible role models for the girls that it's been a powerful curriculum. But the reality is that in the digital age, that's not how kids learn anymore. And also it's very difficult to keep up and update programs. So obviously digital is the way to go and videos are so powerful. And so our goal is to utilize similar messages, but do it digitally, but at the same time, figure out how to not exclude anyone from access and opportunity. And so we've really been thinking hard about ways to, whether it's you know, the program leaders would use their own technology when they're with the girls to show the videos. If we need to use incentives for greater usage, organizations will get iPads in their hands. Or what are the ways to make sure that while we are going to bring this new technology to them, we don't penalize those who don't have it. So still working through these issues and obviously going to continue learning. We're actually serving all of our community partners and parents to really better understand if we want to bring something directly to the girls, what are the barriers and truly what what this product is going to look like. So you're absolutely right. It's very important. But what's interesting is that though, you know, phones are becoming more and more accessible and certainly families have it. And if there's a way to sort of show something and have a hook, we feel like kids will will have access to phones one way or another. That seems to be something that is definitely changing. It's so exciting that you're working on that. I mean, that's such a, I mean, that's such a massive project. Huge undertaking for sure. And it's taken us a few years to feel both ready from sort of thought leadership standpoint and funding standpoint to do this right. And of course, now we're in the process of figuring out how will we creatively capture video content when we're not allowed to go see anyone and uh, physically film them. So we're actually really excited by this challenge of sort of capturing footage virtually Mm -hmm. and then editing it to not miss the beat. Of course, you know, we're going to backfill our 
digital content, hopefully with in-person filming when we're able to do that, but we don't want to pause. Our goal is to have this as the sort of this legacy project through the pandemic that when the organizations come back, they have this amazing tool in their portfolio to use with the girls. So we're we're bullish on this project. We are not sure if it's going to be called Go Girl Go 2.0 or if there's going to be a new name, but it's hopefully going to be an amazing new iteration of digital learning and inspiration. And we're excited to launch it very soon. Well, cool. Well, before we sign off, let's get a little personal. How are you holding up? And, you know, what have you been doing to stay healthy, both physically and mentally? Thank you for that question. It's not easy. And I have two young boys and I have a whole new appreciation for obviously teachers and homeschooling. That's not easy at all. So balancing work, parenting, and now teaching duty is tough. So I have had a lot of late night, almost midnight runs. It's so peaceful. And I'm fortunate that where I live, it's safe and I can do a few laps around the neighborhood and no one is out. And it's it's sort of, you know, in a way, very, very energizing and surreal. But it's also for me has been a great outlet. We always say you got to live the mission. We can't expect others to do it if we can. So sometimes I'm on a conference call and I'm on mute and you know, lifting a few weights just to sort of get my heart rate up and not sit around. And, you know, the silver lining to it all, though, our family dinners are a lot more structured. I work in New York City, so I have a long commute. And sometimes you just run in and, you know, you try to do things very fast and kids are eating and maybe they're, you know, watching TV. And we've really set some new routines for ourselves as a family to take a pause and our dinners have been fabulous. So I'm hopeful that some of these new habits will stick when things go back to normal in other ways and that we just appreciate, you know, this family time that we got, albeit it's not easy. And I will say is that, you know, living in New York City, we all have been touched, certainly the entire nation, but more so those of us who are in the in the epicenter of this pandemic and we all have lost friends and loved ones during this crisis so having an extra job of teaching my kids on top of my everyday life is a blessing even though it feels hard compared to you know the sorrow that so many others are facing and that's what i say to myself every day is that we're just blessed to you know, as a family unit to be healthy and feel safe. And I just wish that we, you know, get through this really difficult time as a nation, you know, sooner than later. And whenever it's safe to um, be back, we're all going to just be so much more thankful for what we have and not take things for granted. It's, it's a really, it's almost like a signal for all of us to just, pause, reevaluate, and appreciate our everyday blessings. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. I mean, I really appreciate you talking about both the silver lining, but also how hard it is and sort of acknowledging both sides of that. Thank you.
Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. And I hope you and your family is safe. And thank you for what you're doing and, and bringing these important conversations to light today and throughout the year. Thank you so much. Yes, I feel very lucky as well. Take care. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for another Fast Track. Thank you for listening. Find more about Olga Harvey and the Women's Sports Foundation in her show notes in our website, hearhersports.com. Join us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Hear Her Sports. I'd love to hear how you are doing these days. Are you still able to get outside and or train? Let me know at elizabeth at hearhersports.com or leave a message at 725-BE-BADASS, 725-222-3277. Our design is by Agnes Studio and music by the band Goldmines. Wishing you great health. See you next time. Bye-bye. Hi, listeners. We wanted to take a moment to tell you about another podcast from Evergreen Podcasts and Sound Talent Media called Pit Lane Parlay. Pit Lane Parlay is the go-to podcast for IndyCar and motorsports-related news. Each episode, we discuss things like our favorite drivers, news clips from the last week, and generally giving each other a hard time about predictions we've made in the past and or life stories that have come up recently. We really have a lot of fun with it and really enjoy each other's company, and we hope you can come join us too. Join Pit Lane Parlay by following us on your favorite podcast today.